You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win podcast. This is Ben Wolf. Uh, as always, your host. We're going to talk with our guest today on the topic of what is decentralized leadership. Uh, ask everybody to uh, uh, make you aware that for those of you who are fractional leaders, fractional executives, uh, the fractional leadership community has an event coming up uh, hosted by Rob Dubay in November uh, on the on the ten disciplines it takes uh, you know a personal and, and professional life to uh, really maximize your energy. It's based on some work by Gino Wickman uh, articulated in his book The EOS Life. Uh, so Rob Dubay, his partner, is, is delivering that. So for those of you who are members of fractional leadership. Uh, you're invited to attend. You'll you'll get details about that. And for those of you who are fractional executives but not members of fractional leadership, I invite you to check it out at fractionalleadership.io to see what's involved in being part of that community. And certainly, uh, hopefully, have time to be able to attend that event um, if you uh, if you do end up joining. Uh, so, with that, I want to get into introducing our guest today. He is uh, the founder of the Fractional CMO franchise, uh, Fractional CMO uh, firm called Your CMO, Y-O-R-C-M-O. He's also the co-founder of of another group of fractional uh, executives called the Fractional Professionals Association. He's one of the co-founders of that. Uh, You can find out more about him and and some of the stuff, at least he's up to, at yourcmo.com. That's Y-O-R-C-M-O.com. And with that, I give you Joe Frost. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, Ben. Great to be on on your show and excited to talk about all things fractional and decentralized and um, uh, excited to hear about your event coming up too. That sounds like a energy has been something I've been studying a bunch recently for myself. And I think that it's uh, it's the secret to good leadership is having uh, a strong source of energy in the bit and being able to understand it better and how you bring it to your relationships and opportunities. And, and for me personally, it's, it's awareness of triggers, um, Awareness of triggers when my my energy either gets uh, challenged and, and lowered, and and knowing what what causes that and when it causes yeah. it, and how I bring it back up. So yeah. I'm a fan. No, of that's it's good stuff, and I think it's also related to the concept of confidence as well. You know, if you if you see, you know, when when you do things where your confidence gets lower, uh, it's you know it's draining. It's draining of energy. Uh, and when you're yeah. doing things and living in a way or spending your time on things that give you energy, uh, it also gives you confidence or you do things that give you more confidence. It also gives you energy. I don't know, I, th- I, th- I think the two concepts are connected probably, but. Yeah, I think they, I mean, they have, I would, I would think the same. I would think there's some connection there, but never done any specific studies yeah. or seen anything, but it would make scientific. sense. Yeah. <laughs> So let me ask you, before we get going and talking about, you know, uh, a decentralized leadership, fractional fractional leadership and other related topics, um, if you don't mind, give us a quick two minute background, a quick context for like how, you know, you got to be talking about this topic and, and like how you got to be where you are and as well talking about decentralized leadership. Yeah, well, it's... Uh... I'm a victim of many, like many business owners of uh, marketing PTSD. 
there's so many people that I know that have gone in and worked with a marketing agency or worked with a marketing consultant or hired a marketing person and just not got what they expected. And uh, I, I, I have heard the horror stories and I had them myself and, and I, and I, and I affectionately call it marketing PTSD because it puts us in, in a state of shock and, and in many cases, distrust. So I had that experience 12, 12 probably 14 years ago. And that led me down a journey to build a uh, fractional CMO company. I didn't quite know it back then that I was on that journey, but it took me 12 years. And what I realized is that uh, six years ago, there were so many companies that were looking for strategic, trusted marketing leadership, and the, the options were very slim to none out there. Um, we applied the fractional model to marketing, built a process, and and now we're able to help clients with uh, building trust in their marketing partner uh, through a uh, you know a proven process and a, and a value uh, a valuable expert or, or CMO. That whole project you know morphed into your CMO as a franchise. Now we help uh, other CMOS that want to get into marketing. Uh, and do it the way we're doing it for their clients. But it also opened my eyes up to all the fractional world out there. This is the trend that businesses uh, need to be open to. It's the greatest opportunity I see is tapping into fractional leadership. And it's the trend that most uh, leaders are looking for themselves. If you, if you look at all the research, uh, and I don't know if the pandemic caused it, but certainly since the pandemic, there are more and more executives that are looking to get out of the, the rat race of corporate world, have right. lots and lots of experience to bring and want to go out and consult, but they don't want to do it differently. They still want to be part of somebody's team. They don't want to just ice and walk away. They want to be hands-on making things happen. And the fractional uh, executive role allows um, dif disciplines, different disciplines to do just that. And so we started the Fractional Professional Association a couple of years ago because we wanted to broaden our, our network of fractionals. And, uh, and you're, you know, you've been part of that uh, for a while now, and, and, and we share uh, members with both organizations. It's an emerging, growing mm -hmm. business model for solo practitioners, practitioners that want to offer their services in a fractional way. And um, it's really then led me to this discovery of what I call decentralized leadership, because decentralized leadership means to me uh, leadership at all levels. And uh, if you if we start with the premise that everyone is a leader throughout the organization, that's what decentralized leadership is. Um, a practical fractional CMO or CTO or integrator is likely not on site uh, ever if they are very seldom. So they're remote from day one, generally. They're virtual almost with all their interactions. So they are physically decentralized from the mothership, working remotely, hybrid. But the difference between any work before this, I think before fractional that was remote, is it wasn't what would be considered executive leadership. Fractional is an executive leader that is remote. So it's forced us to think about how do we lead remotely versus work remotely. Um, and that's the work that, that I've been discovering and, and working around decentralized leadership. Um, when we've applied it to fractional CMOs and we built all mm -hmm. our processes and systems around our, our business to be able to offer that service, um, 
it dawned on me a couple years ago or a year or so ago that you know, if we think about all members of our team as leaders, the same concepts that we're building for the fractional CMO executive apply to a person in the Philippines that's doing more tactical work. But if we think of that person as a leader also, what are the things that we're doing at the CMO level that we could be applied to their level? And it's not a lower level, like it's what? just a different like, level. Like what? What do you mean by that? Like what? Well, I'll, I'll give you some examples of the things that we've done differently since thinking that way. Um, if you look at the, let's talk U.S. because we're very familiar with the U.S. language. If you and look at the- Although not everybody in the audience necessarily yeah, will be. <laughs> fair enough. So we have a weekly meeting. It's an L10. And it cascades down from a leadership executive level to departments and teams and divisions, et cetera. Well, we've had a, um, a sales and marketing weekly meeting for years. And uh, traditionally, that's been the, the leader of that team has run that meeting. Well, when we started thinking about, all right, if we're all leaders on this team, what's one thing we can do? We simply rotate a different leader of that meeting monthly. It, that one small change by rethinking how we're, the, how we're viewing the individuals on that team mm-hmm. as not, you know, as not um, members of the team that report to the leader as leaders, as having a team of leaders, that just one little thing allowed everybody on that team to start having to act and think like a CMO would have to do in a boardroom as, as a, just a, the example there. So they have to come prepared. They have to have the agenda up to date. They have to lead the meeting and facilitate it. Um, and it's not natural and, and, and something they've ever done before in, most, in, the, in this particular case. But when they step up and they have the opportunity to do that in a safe environment, they shine. And they and they love it, and it's and it literally is building leadership, an individual at a time that way. Just that one. How do you how do you how do you prepare people? Because imagine if you just say like, okay, next week we're gonna have you know John's gonna lead the well you know or Jane is gonna lead next week or for the next month, next week, then I don't know it may not go well or it may be you know how do how do you prepare people to to so that they're ready to do that successfully. Well, for that particular thing, I'll, let's say, let's say, say let's say leading meetings. I mean, it's a it's a yeah, good example. Yeah. No, right, so let's say example. that example of 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 rotating every month. You know that who's going to lead the next four meetings every month? Um, we gave them one week notice and and a sample agenda, and they showed up and led. That may might be the that might not be the best answer. It was the answer, and and it works. As long as the people on the team are, you know, willing to help and support and have grace and understanding that, you know, we're all going to have to be in this spot sometime in the next year. You know, it's a rotating once a month, a different leader. Everybody's empathetic. Everybody's supportive because they're going to be on the hot seat a month from now. Um, it's not, ter- and they've all been in a meeting for several months. Like this is not their first ever meeting to show up to. So they understand right. generally how it should go. Right. So it wasn't that far removed. And as long as they had a templated agenda uh, with a little bit of instruction, like this is the part that you can customize and this is the part that we need to keep the same. I've done it now, seven different teams, the exact same approach. Right. And every single time the leader showed up prepared and delivered a good meeting, effective meeting. 
There was very, no additional training needed. Right. No, oh, very cool. Very, very interesting. That's helpful. It gives and gives me a lot to think about and, and think where, you know, where we can uh where we could possibly apply that. Um Yeah, it's an interesting uh, spin. It, it, it all does. I think it all also is dependent upon the the ownership uh, or the senior executive leadership truly wanting decentralized leadership. Right. Um, and when I say that, that there are companies that will say, "Yeah, we want everybody to be a leader," but do you? I mean, do you really want to allow somebody? in the Philippines making leadership level decisions for your company? And, and how are you going to um, put some parameters around what decisions they can and cannot make? Right. Um, and, and a lot of times the answer is no, I don't want anybody outside of the U.S. You know, to make those, but okay. Well, what what, what kind of decisions to... typically would, would we be wanting them to make? Let's say in that example of, of, uh, of a team member, team member or members in the Philippines, um, what what's some examples of of the kinds of decisions that you've seen uh, that 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 if leadership is willing is appropriate and good to you know give them that um, give them that autonomy? Yeah, I don't want to. Um, I'll answer the question, but I do not want to use the Philippines as a reason not to consider the answer. So swap Philippines with Kansas. All right, we've got Whatever, a person yeah, like in Kansas that's decentralized from the mothership, how much authority do you want to give somebody in that position as a leader to make decisions? And so what we've done is uh, very fortunate to come across a, a book called Fierce Conversations. And um, yeah, I got to read that. I've heard that so many times. I've got to yeah, read that. It I, was read, from uh, a, I read Netflix, uh, No Rules Rules, talking about, you know, in concepts of radical candor and things like that. But it's, it's uh, probably a similar concept, but I think I need to read that book. Yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, it came up. Michelle Hecken is a EO member, uh, entrepreneurs organization member, and she speaks about um, how would it, she speaks about offboarding yourself as an owner. So it's it's really fundamental in her um, work that she does as a consultant. And she referenced this book, and I I grabbed it. And there's a uh, a metaphor, analogy, however you say it. Um, at, of decisions uh, like a tree. So a decision tree, think of that as your metaphor. And there are four types of decisions. Um, there are leaf decisions, branch decisions, trunk decisions, and root decisions. And so the, the, the way the story is told is that a leaf, if you pull a leaf off a tree, you're not gonna kill it. You can make leaf decisions every day, all day long, and never tell anybody in the organization about it that is fine. That's a leaf decision. A branch, you break a branch, you're going to harm the tree a bit, not too much. You can make that decision every day, all day long, but tell somebody that you made that decision. And that tell somebody can come several different ways. The trunk decisions, you're, you know, you're axing into the trunk, you're going to do some major damage, making some, some wounds there. That's a decision that you should make with at least one other person. So together you make trunk decisions and then ultimately root decisions. You're going to kill the tree. If you damage the roots too much, those are the collaborative decisions. And that analogy then a lot gives you a common language and a framework to spend, to talk to the teams then, okay, what are the leaf decisions that you can make? What are the 
branch decisions that you can also make just report in weekly in your updates. What's the uh, trunk decisions and, and ultimately root decisions that we need to make together or, or in, in pairs. And so every team can set those parameters and over time it's, it, it, it's an iterative process likely to get to where those thresholds lie, but it's a common language for, for having that happen. Um, budget's an easy one. Here are the, here's the budget dollar that's a leaf and here's a budget dollar that's a, a right. branch and trunk. Um, but the more complex ones are, um, you know, if you make this decision, is it going to harm the tree? You know, how much harm is it going to do? And being okay with people making decisions that others disagree with and having a, a you know, safe place to do a debrief and, right. and review those decisions is, is the second part of that. So well, then, that, that's very helpful. I want, I want to ask something else in a second, but first just to understand what you mean. And this is a part where my brain gets a little foggy in, in understanding what you're speaking about with decentralized leadership. I think that asking the question this way might be helpful to help me understand it. So if we imagine a Venn diagram or one circle is the concept of decentralized leadership. The other circle is the concept of fractional leadership. And there's a place where the two, uh, meet or where they're combined, where it's the same thing, in other words, sort of. So I guess what's in the fractional leadership circle purely, what's purely in the decentralized leadership circle conceptually, and what is in, and to what extent, or what it, what's the area where they're combined, meaning where they're kind of synonymous in some way? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say that the large circle is the decentralized circle and the fractional leadership is squarely or roundly inside. Uh, so you wouldn't put it as a Venn circle. diagram. You would put it as a as a general category, and fractional leadership as a subcategory. Yes. Of of the concept of decentralized leadership. Yeah, that's that's how I would picture it. I don't think there's anything a fractional leader does that is not decentralized, in in that sense. Okay. So maybe put it this way then, what is what is within the subcategory of fractional leadership and what aspects of decentralized leadership are outside of, uh, you know, part of the general category, but not yeah, part of the fractional leadership category? Yeah. So I would I would say that, um, you know, off the top of my head, um, there are decentralized leadership concepts that probably wouldn't apply always to a fractional leader that might be around the remote work as an example. Not all fractional leadership has to be remote. There are people that show up at an office one day we could do that work and uh, see a fractional CFO. You CTO. could have decentralized leadership divorced from remote also, meaning you could have decentralized leadership that's not remote, right? That's what I mean. You can have it remote or not a remote, but in theory, but not just fractional that's remote or not remote, even decentralized. Oh, even couldn't that also leadership? be not remote? Because if you have an office with 100 people in it, but you're not having them report on various details because you've enabled, empowered them or, uh, you know, given them the autonomy to lead in certain ways, that could be just as much in person as it is remote. Yes, true. Um, and now we're getting into a game of circles and logic. So. Right. 
Yeah, what's All the right, subset of this and the set of this? But uh, there are there are definitely aspects of decentralized leadership that wouldn't apply to all fractional engagement. Uh, remote may or may not be, you know, I'd have to get out my, you know, I do have a degree in chemical engineering, so I can <laughs> go there with some extreme logic, uh, oh, but I have gosh. to get a pad of paper out and start sketching to make yeah, it. I'm not sense. a very visual person, so. Yeah. Um, you know, another one, I think there's, there's, there are, um, uh, I, I'd have to, I'd, you know, I'm going to work on this because I think that's a really good question and it's, it will set up a really nice blog about differences. Yeah. We have a nice diagram in there. <laughs> yes. So what are the decentralized uh, things that may not apply to fractional? Right. Well, make sure to tag me in that so I can, uh, oh, I, will. It's a great I question. can see it. Um, the, uh, I'll see it and share it. Uh, let me ask you this in terms of, in terms of playing around with this from another angle. Um, what what does it look like when when somebody's focused on being centralized, right? The opposite of decentralized. Someone's not embracing that. Like, what does that look like? What does that feel like? What happens? Well, I think the centralized leadership is is what we all are very familiar with as traditional leadership. It's hierarchical, so it comes from the top, cascades down. Um, there's a reporting mechanism. People aren't willing to always make decisions without asking permission, um, you know, geographically, you know, probably traditionally it's more centralized, but there can be a lot of remote organizations that have a very um, top-down leadership model. Um, whereas decentralized, it, once again, it, it starts with the, the concept that everyone at every level is a leader and how do you allow them to lead in, in their own way? Whereas there's a lot of micromanagers as a good example, that don't want their people to lead underneath them. They just want people to follow the rules and stay in their lanes and, and not be leaders in their own rights. Mm -hmm. And that's a cultural thing, maybe more than an organizational thing. That's an individual management issue rather than necessarily a structural issue. Um, but that's the concept we're all very comfortable with and, and familiar with. Mm -hmm. And I think that the whole decentralized phenomenon came about with the blockchain. And the idea of ledgers and and being able to track things remotely or you know decentralized in a, in a way that could be uh, transparent and authenticated without concern you know that's the decentralized blockchain well if you apply that to leadership and being and decision making kind of the core leadership trait that i think is the most hard for people to wrap their heads around how do we not do it centralized the more you can put transparency and documentation around decision making and 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 letting everybody within the organization understand those decisions that are happening away from the the mothership the more comfortable everyone gets that those decisions can be made if they're still made in a vacuum or in a silo and and no information is shared it's very difficult for for people yeah. to embrace this type of leadership and the larger the organization gets, the harder and harder it is to um, to be transparent without right. nauseating WhatsApp notices and Teams notices and documents and five thousand different pings you get a week. You know, you don't. I don't need to know every decision you made. I just want to know that I can go find that decision somehow, some way, somewhere. Right. <laughs> when I need it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No transparency. 
Yeah, that, that is key. So last question um, is to also make it a little more concrete for me, for people listening to this, what the concept means is tell me a story, an example, somebody that adopted this concept of decentralized leadership, whether it's a you know, one of the companies you've been involved in or your company or, or whoever, uh, what's a story, an example, somebody that's adopted this concept, like what was it like before? What did they do to adopt it? What did it look like after? Yeah. Well, I will, uh, I, mean, I can tell you the stories of, of how we're doing it internally, but I don't think that's as effective. So um, the organization that comes to mind, it's a, it's a friend of mine. She runs a eight to 10 person interior design firm. And they have uh, historically struggled with gaining kind of alignment and, and clarity and, and uh, teamwork. Uh, they have tried bringing in uh, different consultants. Uh, they have implemented in the past uh, variations of EOS, kind of do it yourself, do it with a, an implementer. But they've never quite gained true uh, um, consensus and, and commitment from the team. So we went through it, uh, and I introduced to them the concept of decentralized leadership. Uh, I, I, I worked with them for a couple days to talk through very much if you if you're familiar with EOS or any strategic planning system you know at its core you the outcome of that is generally some large vision some clear kind of common core values then there's you know whether it's three or five year kind of midterm goals there's annual goals quarterly goals and then there's you know some very focused you know milestones and twos in between there's lots of ways to get there. EOS is one, scaling up is another, 40X is another, yada, yada, yada. Well, decentralized leadership, our approach, my approach, it's just a different way. And the different way, it's more bottoms up than top down. So when we went through the process, we started with all the individuals and we said, okay, what do you think your priorities are? What are your individual core values? Are you guys in alignment with each other there? And we had a discussion around it. Then we said, okay, no. If we're going to win as a team or learn as a team, we need to start there because we're not siloed individuals. We are a team here. So if we win as a team and learn as a team, what do we want to win next quarter? What does that look like as a team? And we set quarterly team priorities. Okay, what do we want to learn next quarter? And we set those as well. And then we said, okay, this is what, we, this is what our you know, individual priorities are. This is what our team priorities are. Where do we see ourselves going a year from now, three years from now together? What's our end, end goal that we want to do? And the leader has to be there in that conversation. And we were able to set those more clear three-year goals. The outcome of that was the team has never been more aligned. This has been this is about three months ago. Uh, people are showing up and they're owning their priorities. They're owning their uh, uh, scorecard metrics, because that's the part of the KPIs as part of the discussion of priorities. And, and they're working together as a team better than they ever have. Um, and it was just simply, they felt more bought in to that, what used to be a top-down driven vision, values, goals, priorities, how are you going to execute? Because now it was bottoms up. Uh, and they're, they're having their, you know, fourth quarter better than they ever had. And they're, they're, 
planning the next year. And the team is super excited to show up and do the whole planning process again, where before they used to be very reluctant. Awesome. One, one quick follow-up question on that is if, if you're starting, so to speak, from the bottom bottom up, how are you, I guess, how do you, how do you even get alignment when you have, you're starting from like the individual's how do you get alignment on, let's say, the core values or on, on what those are? Because it's, you know, it just could be such a variety. Uh, how do you how do you get a team on the same page with some core values that are meaningful in some way? Because they're not too diversified or whatever. From too many, just like it's not going to be a collection of little things from a lot of people. So, so what I'll what I'll share is that we didn't once in in the in the seven to eight sessions i've done this on with different teams in the last three to four months not once do we talk about company core values what we talked about is individual core values and when you think about teams it's all about can i work well with this person Mm -hmm. now organizations i think i just read this yesterday or the day before that you know it's as you build a tribe, you start to collect people that have shared core values over, and they just naturally collect or don't collect. So maybe this is not a, um, as an EOS implementer or someone who's done been around it before, this is very counter to how EOS would suggest or other even strategic planning processes would suggest going about getting a shared culture. But I'm telling you from a practical standpoint, the teams are more aligned with sharing their own core values, personal core values, and how they've come out. We have a conversation. How do your core values show up and work? It's a way to better understand each other from a core value standpoint that are, that are, that are personalized. Now, does that conflict with the company's core values? Does it mean you shouldn't have company core values? No, it doesn't mean you shouldn't have company core values. Um, People generally aren't in that room if they don't share a company core value to begin with. And that's a, and, and if they're not sharing a company core value, it's really not a company core value. It's a ownership core value because at the end of the day, most core values organizations are by the ownership, not by the team. It's not consensus. It's top-down driven. So by extension, if the owner has a core value that they're feeling is being not gelling with a member on their team, they'll get rid of the member on the team. Um, so I, you know, that's a touchy one for some people. It's, it's that's the that's the my answer. No, I there's a lot of people it. that would disagree, but I'm telling you, it works. Awesome. No, I appreciate it. Look, this is yeah, really helpful. Really appreciate you you coming on here, and you know, this is not one of these generic topics, right? This is a, yeah. a super interesting topic. Uh, the new concept, something I've been reading about from you, you know, that you're speaking about recently. So re- really appreciate you coming on and and delving into it um you know i appreciate you making the time yeah well i appreciate you having me and i'll just i'll end by saying it's not a i think of it as a different approach to the same outcomes not a better approach so i i I really make sure people understand the decentralized leadership it's just a different way to get to the same place um and it's for some organizations but it's not for all organizations all right awesome yeah and i appreciate that appreciate you clarifying that and uh, and everybody else, I just say again, if you are uh, if if you are a fractional executive, whether part of a firm or owning a firm or a solo practitioner in that field, 
uh, invite you to, if you're already a member of Fractional Leadership, again, invite you to wait for information about that. You'll get information about the uh, about the session with Rob Dubay, co-founder with Gino Wickman of the 10 Disciplines, talking about the 10 Disciplines of how to maximize your energy. Uh, and if you're not already, uh, if you're a fractional executive, but not already part of Fractional Leadership community, definitely invite you to check that out, fractionalleadership.io. And uh, again, we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thanks. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.